beware of invisible silos. They could be killing your marketing. Welcome to the Education Marketer Podcast. I'm Kyle Campbell, and today I'm joined by Drew Crawford, Agen's lead for advertising strategy and insights. We discuss how silos aren't just a minor inconvenience, but can end up costing you your budget, campaigns, and even your course portfolio. Let's get on with the show. I am definitely a Virgo at heart, and that comes with a type A personality. So when I perceive something like an inefficiency, it like really gets under my skin. So mm. I, I get really excited to talk about things and how we can improve efficiency with clients or any of the projects that we're working on. When we talk about silos, it's kind of a big term, but I think what we're talking about is an inefficiency at its core that could occur across a system, a process, uh, a platform, a team. Uh, and it's very frustrating, not only for those who are working directly within that team, but also those on the outside who, when it comes to the case of the university, talking students, alumni, investors, all view the organization as, as really one central thing, uh, as opposed to all the different subsets that we know behind the scenes kind of go into the inner workings. So... Uh, if I was going to categorize some of the silos that I've seen before, uh, let's say institutional would be the first one. Um, we're talking things like uh, there's a university, but they also have a business college and they have different faculties and each one of them have their own logos, their own colors that they're pulling from. So there's already some fragmentation going on just underneath that bucket of university. Uh, we're talking about things like housing venues versus the main campus. And, and how a student doesn't necessarily know when they sign a contract with a housing place that doesn't carry through to the university. It's a separate contract. So institutional would be one. Two, I would say departmental. So this is with different teams in one department. So we're talking about in, in terms of marketing, like brand versus recruitment teams and how they each have separate goals. We're talking about marketers like us versus, say, professors and staff. I've even seen some amongst researchers who both are kind of have the same overall mission, but different ways that they want to go about it. So two would be departmental. Uh, three, I would say program level. I'm sure many listeners out there can understand the difficulties when you go to a website and there's like 12 different MBAs that you can pick from. <laughs> Slight nuances, right? But they're all, they're all stored in different places. Yeah. So that's a silo just even at the program level when you would think kind of overall do the same thing. And then four, I would say probably data management. And it's a whole separate place. But this idea that all these teams are collecting information, but it's not stored in one central place. There's all these different fragments of data that we really can't connect into one, one spot. Typically, when you hear like marketing silo or hybrid silo, you just think down to the, the team level. But, you know, your, your program example there, like, if silos are that deeply entrenched, they can affect things that are strategic, like portfolios. And in that example of the 12 MBAs, I mean, that's not unfamiliar to a lot of universities, but yeah. you wouldn't necessarily think that's to do with a, a siloed, that sort of thinking in that, that's problem, would you? You chalk it up to something different. Right. That, that comes down to individuals just being so focused on, on you know, what's on their desk. What have they been asked to do? What are they working on? And we really have to stop and take a step back and think, okay, who else has this problem? Who else is working on these things? Your competition is not limited to other institutions. Sometimes it's within your own. Indeed. And you know, let's kind of hone in on some of those examples then, because some of the, the silos you've outlined here, I would probably argue are 
beyond the power of um you know a, a standard marketer to unpick uh, especially at the institutional yeah. level let's let's look at the the team level i'm interested in some of the strategies and approaches that you would suggest or you've seen uh, marketers taking perhaps in the university or in, or in commercial sectors about how to get around these issues and what sort of results they're able to deliver I would say, you know, based off my experience, there's a couple of things that I would want to share. The first foremost one, I think, is, is get everyone possible together in a room and be humans together. Mm. Uh, that, that's easier than it sounds, but basically grab all those stakeholders that are making those decisions at the top level and, and get everyone to kind of sit down and align on KPIs and decide the swim lanes for each individual team. So what this looks like is, you know, maybe you have a, a once a week, once a, or a bi-weekly meeting where everyone gets together and chats about things. You, you need to update each other on your projects, what's going on, on on your team, some of the challenges and successes that you've had, and, and ways that we can cross-collaborate in order to improve those, learn from other teams in, in order to put things forward, cut competition where you possibly can. There's a lot of times where programs will compete against one another for similar search terms online. Mm -hmm. Ways that we can kind of reduce that competition is, is really going to help you both within your own team and with other teams. Combining budgets instead of running 15 little campaigns with small budget, what are ways that we can maybe combine the messaging in those budgets so you get more bang for your buck, if you will. Um, also, just discussing uh, major initiatives and the timing that you want to roll those out. There's a big problem with even calendars that are a little bit crowded at times. Mm. So trying to, to understand, okay, if there's a, one particular date that's overlapping with student interest, so perhaps exams are coming up and there is an exam prep session that the student's really going to want to go to. But on the same day, you're talking about opportunities for higher learning beyond undergrad. Both of those would be interesting for a student to attend, but you're already forcing them to kind of choose. So even taking a look at something as simple as a master calendar. And another thing, I just was at a conference the other day, Content Ed in Edinburgh, and we were talking about uh, providing training across teams. Um, so opportunity to say, hey, I have something that I can give you from this team to another. And, and how about I sit down with you, teach you our ways of going about things, um, which can really help build allies across teams. So there's a, definitely a few things I want to pick up on on there. Firstly, linking in that idea with regular updates, regular meetings, working across teams. Um, but you also mentioned the master calendar, and that for me falls into the the realm of finding that that right tool to, to manage those those processes and those meetings and that that collaboration. And I've seen many universities approach this in all kinds of different ways. Some have spreadsheets, as you can imagine. Others have more advanced solutions like Monday.com or, or whatever yeah. they're using. Just to, to help people out here, if they are looking to use um, a, a collaboration hub or collaboration community, you know, how do you see people uh, facilitating that? Because often it's quite easy for meetings to fall off the calendar and I'm wondering if there's a digital tool or a solution you've seen put in place that actually helps that stuff happen. What it comes down to at the top, it's it, it really at the top. You need to get all the stakeholders to align on a vision and then the trickle-down effect of, hey, my account manager, you, you have to go to this meeting. Uh, it will be beneficial and we need you to represent the team. So it, it kind of has to be from the top an initiative to say, this is important. You can't let it drum off the calendar. We need you to go learn and, and bring things back. So 
to kind of recap, it doesn't really matter that the tool you use, there's many that are out there, but you need everyone to align on using that tool and how you're going to go about it. I don't know if you use this word, but it's the one that popped into my, my head. Um, maybe I'm thinking in terms of search marketing, like cannibalization of terms uh, and doubling yes. up on, on effort. Now, I, I think you usually feel that this is only a slight overlap of, of work being done, but I'll be curious to hear like when you work with unis, is it a case that sometimes it's only a few words or is it often complete like cannibalization and massive waste of budget as a result of not working in this, in this aligned way? What does it look like on the ground? Yeah, I would say it's the latter. Um, really? Okay. Definitely where, yeah. I mean, there's only so many search terms you're going to put into Google or be mm. to find you. So if you're looking for like MBA, program, then yeah, that that's the search term. So every single MBA program within every single university is going to be using that keyword. So just by having multiple campaigns that are running concurrently on the same channels, you're already competing against yourself, jacking up your, your costs, uh, just CPMs based off of that competition alone. So yeah, it has a, a direct effect on efficiency <laughs> of your dollars and uh, to jump maybe to a solution for that. So we recently worked with, with UCL on this exact program. I believe it was the MPA uh, program that they were running. And they did have several uh, initiatives that were kind of running concurrently. And so what we did was bring those teams together and say, okay, you have 12 examples of this type of program running. How can we make this more efficient? And we got them to build one centralized landing page that encapsulated all of those programs so that when people went to search, they went to one place and then could kind of navigate, oh, look, all these variations of the program. And that resulted in, don't don't judge me by the numbers here exactly, but I believe it was four times the efficiency that they were running before. Uh, so that, that's a massive impact Huge. on yeah. campaigns and budgets. Everyone's kind of benefiting. The consumers now don't feel as lost when they go to the website and look up that type of program. Now, okay, it's in one central place. So I kind of think everyone benefits in that instance. Yeah, uh, 100%. It's, um, it's interesting you, you give that an example because the, the uh, doc, I'll say doctrine, that's the wrong word. <laughs> the, the advice that's often repeated is that when you're doing campaigns, they, they should be, the landing pages should directly reflect the ads and be very focused on one thing yeah but you know you've just given an example here of a huge efficiency improvement but you've actually grouped things together mm-hmm. um that's that's really interesting is that a is that a common te- technique that you use for like subject specific ads yeah it's, it's beneficial i'm surprised that more we don't do that uh, we we often get approached a lot by here's this really niche course and we're not getting enough registrations for this particular niche course Maybe the idea is you are going too niche um, and that, that's kind of the risk that you're running, right? And, and, and also from a consumer perspective, like think about the position of a student who's doing that research. They're, they're not looking for those specific search terms. Um, they just kind of want to get to the landing page for general inquiry. And then having that one general page to say, oh yeah, I do want to study an MBA at this particular school. Uh, then seeing, okay, what are my specific courses I could take to still accomplish that goal? So I think we end up just so like blinders on us about the programs that we think are going to do really well, the niche offerings we have. Um, some professors also get in the way in that sense where they think there's a lot of pride wrapped up in, in their particular course that they're running and they want to broadcast that out. 
but we're, we're not thinking from the other side of things of like, how do people find this course in the first place? What yeah. are they actually looking for? So make it consumer friendly. Uh, and I would say it, it benefits a lot in terms of public understanding and the efficiency of your budgets. I think we do launch into the further down the funnel than we probably need to go sometimes, don't we? We, we try and capture very precise and articulated demands um, way too way too early. Um, and you know, I, I often feel that, especially behind programs and MBAs and the differences between them, you can use paid media to do part of the education process as well, can't you, about what these different programs offer. And, and I think that example of actually holding groups of subjects together on a landing page and talking about the, the differences between them that you've just given there is, is very compelling. And I think we could probably all learn quite a lot from that. Mm -hmm. Another way of thinking about it, perhaps, because you talked about the creative that we speak to, and, and often we will receive creative that talks to one particular niche course, but mm -hmm. it comes down to like testing, right? A-B testing. Yeah. What is the performance of having one ad that talks in general about the program versus four that talk about the very niche offerings for, uh, you know, underneath that and, and run them simultaneously and allow the systems to optimize and see which performs better. So I can say to you, yes, be very efficient and have one central message, but that, that may not be what works for your institutions. Yeah, yeah. Test and learn from that. Maybe the niche route is the way to go, but it's not really for your efficiency of your budgets. So I want to open this out a little bit because we've spoken about higher ed practice, but often there's more in inspirational examples to, to be found elsewhere and that we can learn from. And yeah. in, your, in your experience, which, um, which, which company would you say is absolutely killing it with this stuff right now and just completely gets the, the idea of running a, a centralized media campaign, but with all those kind of individual facets coming from one place and everyone on the same page, who's the poster child for this? Who should we be looking at for inspiration and why? I empathize with a lot of the universities out there because the challenges that you face are the exact same challenges that all these private businesses are running. The commercial sector runs into the exact same challenges of getting everyone on the same page. So I'll give some just bad examples first <laughs> and, Sorry, and, then, and then move on to some, some better examples, I think. So, and, and I think the bad examples really help us to relate the, the issue that we face in our everyday lives um, to, to the ones of the university. So for instance, uh, a telecom service. Uh, so I am Canadian from Canada and I had uh, a phone plan with a company called Rogers. Uh, and so to me, Rogers is a massive company, right? I, I have an account with them. So it was very surprising to me when I also ordered internet services off of them and I got two separate account numbers. So in order to check my, my bill <laughs> every single month, I had to log in to using two separate numbers. And to me, that's just baffling. That doesn't, that doesn't yeah, make any yeah. sense. Why, as a consumer, you think of it as one company. And I think we can kind of translate over to the university as well. Like I was mentioning, when we think about a university, we don't think about housing and the brand department and what the professors think uh, and all, and, and then the business school on the side, we think of it as like one entity. So similar challenges or uh, another example, a bank. Have you ever had to call a bank and you run into the problem that like, they're not the person that you need to talk to. So then you end up on hold and then you get transferred to someone else and they're actually not the right person either. And you get transferred over to someone else. Mm -hmm. Like that is silos in its uh, most basic example. Uh, and it's very frustrating for the consumer. 
I worked with uh, another company, uh, Air Miles, which is like a rewards card program in, in Canada, at least. Um, and there was a separate team in charge of redeeming concert tickets than the team that was in charge of redeeming like a vacation or like a toaster with your points. So the, the bad examples, rest assured, there are plenty of them in terms of these silos in, within the commercial world. Now, jumping to a good example that was near and dear to my heart, uh, I used to work on Under Armour's media campaign in North America. So we were dealing with the um, retargeting specifically campaigns on Facebook and Snapchat and whatnot. Uh, and, and working with Under Armour, we were one agency of about six that all had a stake in the success of their programs. So we're talking things from like brand campaigns on TV, an affiliate program that dealt with uh, discounts on particular sites, our dealing search, uh, all forms of social. So there was a lot of competition. And for an agency, you're not necessarily used to having to play nice with other agencies. But what I really liked that we did, and it comes back to the thing that I had recommended, is we got everyone in the room on one call. And this happened twice a week where we were sitting together wow. on calls and kind of doing a roll call. What is going on this week? What are we, how's the performance of things? What's coming up? What are the tests that we're running? And at first that's very uncomfortable, right? Bringing everyone together and, and kind of divulging the information that led to a lot of transparency and, and networking and uh, collaboration amongst all these teams because we would be able to sit back and say, okay, search is doing really, really well this week. Well, then perhaps we should shift some of those dollars from one campaign into the other. Um, and while a particular agency may lose out on that particular interaction, it really did make us all stronger uh, mm -hmm. through the results that we were able to do and how we were able to pivot. So I would say Under Armour is a really good example. And then a little bit more anecdotal, a, a company when I was thinking about uh, having this chat with you that really works well is like Coca-Cola. Everyone knows Coca-Cola, um, but they have a variety of flavors, right? And each flavor has its own like unique bottle, unique color. But overall, the main logo remains the same. Mm -hmm. uh, they have a bunch of different ads. They're, you know, feel good, drinking Coke. Here's the, the Christmas advert that we're going to be running. Maybe here's a, a new flavor that they're pushing. But when you watch one of those ads, it still resonates as that master brand. So, you know, lots of different communications that they're offering, but it still comes down to like, as a viewer, I know that's Coca-Cola. Mm -hmm. uh, I think those examples are when I don't. I'm wondering if you've got any kind of last minute um, thoughts of people, if they were to uh, start to think a little bit differently about silos, what are the kind of key um, uh, things they, they could be doing to break down some of those walls? These can be tactical or, or strategic. I don't really mind, but it's just some kind of key takeaways for people who are listening. Sure. Yeah. I would say maybe three pieces of advice, or at least three can start with. Uh, one, like I said, get everyone in the room. Uh, and this means getting your stakeholders to align on your KPIs. Uh, decide what is the actual objective you're trying to do. How does everyone fit into that? Uh, and that's down to budgets, calendars, work, you know, not individual KPIs. Uh, get people to work together to, to build success. Uh, two, I would say rework your data. Chances are there's some silos within your data that you have that people who need it can't get access to. And I understand there's a lot of limitations and concerns around privacy with this. But surely there's a better way that we can be working with the data we already have instead of trying to collect it for each individual team. Uh, and then three, I would say brand guidelines and central authority on them. Uh, so it's really uh, pivotal to protect 
your your brand ethos, the tone, the colors, the layouts. Don't have people doing one-off campaigns. Run them through one central team that is so used to approving things that they can look at something and go, "That's not that's not us. That that doesn't fit with the master team." Uh, mm. Take it back into production so that it it fits. So I think if you fit within those three things, you know, collaboration, data, and brand guidelines, you're already in a better position to to reduce some of those silos. I love that. Thanks so much for for speaking with me today. Just on that. Last question, though, I do have like one one area I'd like to explore. So, in in terms of putting your you kind of your creative your ideas through that that one centralized brand brand team, I've certainly noticed some organizations, and the one that popped into my head when you were you were saying that I don't know if you remember, but it was it's way back now. But Halifax run a media campaign, and they use kind of retro cartoon characters as part of the creative, like the Flintstones and various other things like that. Okay. This is obviously a departure. Um, from what the brand is is known for, I mean, what's what's your thoughts on that? Like that sort of deviation from um, the, the standard sort of corporate brand and how that fits into that approval process. I guess it still fits into the approval process, doesn't it? But how does creative sort of fit with with, with brands um, from from that perspective? Yeah, I think you're allowed to reinvent yourself. You're allowed to take risks uh, with things, but it comes down to the intent. Like, what are you trying to do? Does it actually make sense? Uh, for your brand, you know, if if you are known for having a little bit of humor, if you're known for your kind of retro uh, aesthetic, that yeah, that makes a lot of sense to go. If if you have animators on your team and you're talking about your product, yeah, that makes a lot of sense to run something like that. But overall, it it shouldn't look like another brand. It shouldn't look like another company. It's just going to be damaging to you, or you're or you're wasting your dollars because someone will attribute it to something else. I'm sure if you did a study and said, who does this ad belong to? They may not immediately align with the brand that they were used to. Yeah. So un- unless you're doing a revamp across the entire organization and those characters are going to show up multiple times throughout everything on your website and your socials, then maybe forego that, that idea for that particular time. Nice one. Thanks so much for speaking to me today. Um, so tell me uh, a little bit where people can find you and how they can reach out to you, discuss some of these ideas, uh, and also a little bit about AdGen as well, because I think what you guys are doing in the, the media space is, is really great. Sure, yeah. So you mentioned our company, AdGen. You can find our website, adgenuk.com. Um, you can also find me on LinkedIn. That's Drew Crawford. Uh, also, just search in AdGen. You'll probably find me that way. If you really want to find more about me and my travel slideshows or cosplay costumes, I'm on Instagram. It's just Drew uh, but uh, Adgen, so we are uh, an agency, full service agency in the heart of uh, the Midlands. We're in Leamington Spa and we help a lot of university clients with a variety of their needs. So whether it's you know, social media, Google campaigns, email blasts, be across kind of all of the different teams that they're running, research campaigns, uh, we're really here to help. So feel free to reach out and, and see how we could potentially benefit uh, your campaigns, your business. Thanks for coming on and speak to you again soon. Thank you. Cheers. Take care. Bye.